Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll help you reduce your anxious thoughts and focus on today. I'll also be interviewing author Jeff Dawson, who reviews his book, Love's True Second Chance, that recounts his life story of love and loss and living in the moment. For more information about Jeff, please visit LDDJEnterprises.com. You may also purchase his book on any digital bookstore or in the previous guest products in both stores at either JamesMillerLifeology.com or Lifeology.tv. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Reducing anxious thoughts. Life happens to all of us. Doesn't matter if you're considered a quote good person or quote bad person, life is going to happen. When situations happen, they often blindside us. And in that moment, we become consumed with anxiety. The fears of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And this can affect us in anything, from losing a job, being diagnosed with a disease, being served divorce papers, losing a lot of money. All of these situations can cause a huge amount of stress in our life. After the appropriate time of grieving, because we always have an initial response, but what do we do after that initial response wears off? For example, if I were to come up and startle you, more than likely you would be scared. But if you're scared for the next hour, well, that doesn't make sense. So when you have this initial response of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Then we have to use what we call in my field called radical acceptance. It's a fancy term that basically says, these are the facts as they are. It doesn't mean that we agree with the facts. It doesn't mean we let someone off the hook for what they've done. It just simply means we look at the data or the facts as they are and say, what am I going to do next? Because if we come from a place of anxiety or worry or fear, then unfortunately that disempowers us to be able to understand what to do next or how to plan for something. So after you've experienced the initial response, then you use radical acceptance to help you look at what you can do as opposed to what you cannot do. One thing I really recommend for people is that if you think of your future and it causes anxiety, you're probably thinking too far out in the future. If you know in six months something is going to happen but you continually focus on the time frame six months from today, that is going to cause you anxiety. 
because you don't know what's going to happen between now and that six months. So you want to say, well, if I think of my future, how far out can I think so I don't feel anxious? And for some people, maybe they can only think out a week in advance. In other words, today until seven days from now, I know within that time period, I can do something to be successful. I can do something to get me closer to accomplishing my goal. For some people, it may only be 10 minutes that they can think about. So you want to ask yourself, when I think about what I'm going to do next, how far out can I think in my mind so I don't feel that anxiety? And when you learn how to implement this technique, you'll then be able to say, okay, I know within this amount of time, I can come up with an answer. I can live in the moment. I can be proactive. I can be healthy. I can feel powerful and I can make the healthiest choices for me. So always keep that in mind. Anytime you think too far out in the future and it causes anxiety, you thought too far ahead. I have a fantastic interview today with Jeff Dawson, who reviews his book, Love's True Second Chance. He recounts the story of reconnecting with his high school sweetheart and the news that they were given and how it affected both of their lives. He used this concept of living in the moment to enjoy every moment he had in that relationship. So stay tuned. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. However, I want to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. Each week, I will send you an email which has all the latest radio episodes, YouTube episodes, magazine articles, and self-help products specifically for you. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. My guest today is author Jeff Dawson, who reviews his book, Love's True Second Chance, that recounts his true life story of love and loss. Welcome to my show, Jeff. Thank you for having me, James. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't think you know this, but we have a lot of synergy in some ways. I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In fact, I graduated from high school there. I see that you did as well. And I used to live in Dallas also. So we have we, we both know the same places pretty well. <laughs> that is true. What high school in Tulsa? I went to Victory Christian School. I know you went to Memorial High School, I believe, right? Correct. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I actually had a lot of friends who went there. I went to, to Union High School for a little bit and then graduated from Victory Christian School. So it's kind of funny. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know where you're at. Yeah. Very cool. Well, your story, when I first read about it, it, it really moved me. I mean, it's, it's such a powerful story in so many ways. And so I can't wait for you to recount it. Um, but I definitely want my listeners to be prepared because it is possibly a tearjerker. So why don't we jump right into it? So in high school, you met an amazing woman named Debbie. Tell us about her. We were both in the band, and Debbie was actually dating one of my best friends at the time, and I was dating somebody else. And when that didn't work out, Debbie got interested in me, and I was still dating this other girl, <laughs> and I just couldn't get it through my head that this wasn't going to work out. And Debbie was dropping hints as big as bricks, but you know, <laughs> when you're 17, you're not really going to be a brain surgeon. Yes, are you? I remember 17. Yes. I was not too bright either. <laughs> yeah. So this went on for a while. Then the girl I was dating finally realized this wasn't going to happen. And Debbie and I started dating in my junior year. Wow. And from there, it sounds like you really you got smart at that time and realized this is someone who's really important to you. 
she became very important. I mean, it was, yes, we were high school sweethearts and we know all the cliches about that, but there was just something about her. She was, she was my soulmate and it, I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. So what happens as you grew up? Did you stay together? No, I went to college. She wanted a full-time boyfriend because she was a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. So she dropped me like a bad habit when I went to Oklahoma State. It was, and I was not a happy camper, yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I and mean, even back then, because it's, I mean, now transportation is a little easier, and I'm sure you had more, more access to it now, of course. But even though it's, what, like an hour, hour and a half away from Tulsa? Yeah, that, still is pretty, that still is pretty far. Yeah, and as a college student, you can't afford to go home every weekend. Exactly, yeah. Therefore... She decided she wanted a full-time boyfriend her senior year, and I kind of washed my hands of it. I was mad as a hornet. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Man, I was I'm mad. sure you were. So when she graduated from high school, did she stay dating, uh, stay dating the other person? Oh, yeah. She actually went to Oklahoma State. Uh-huh. And let's just say that the few times we ran into each other, those were uh, not memorable events per se, and she did bring that up when we got back together 30 years later, but <laughs> I was still mad. It didn't matter that I dated other girls. I would see her on campus and say, oh, Lord, just get her away. I don't want to talk to her at all. Do you realize now, though, upon reflection about what you were actually experiencing? I was an idiot. <laughs> I mean, why lie? I, I know, I right? still... <laughs> It'd probably been two or three years since I'd seen her, and uh, Buddy and I had taken a test, and it had not gone well, so we were trying to figure out which fine establishment to attend, and I looked to my right, and I saw this girl, and I was like, oh, it can't be. Yeah, <laughs> it was Debbie, and she came walking up and goes, hi, Jeff, how are you? And I said, not worth a damn. What do you want? And I was like, <laughs> oh, that didn't go over well. <laughs> Oh, that's Not hysterical. Yeah, that was that was another brilliant move in my <laughs> memoir book. Wow. Of what not to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone take notice of that because that's definitely not what you should do if you know that's, that someone's a love of your life. <laughs> no, it's not. How did you reconnect what you said 30 years later? 30 years later in uh December of 08, my son had a Muay Thai competition in Tulsa. Oh, wow. I went up there and Every 10 years, I would put a business card in her parents' mailbox just to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the last time, and I didn't know if her folks even lived there. I just said, you know, we'll give it a shot and see what happens. And two weeks passed, nothing, heard nothing. It's like, okay, I was in a meeting with a project manager with the state of Texas on the I-75 job I was working on, and the phone rang. I was waiting for a call from a female supplier, and I knew it would be bad news. Answer the phone, and all I hear is, Jeff, this is Debbie. And I'm like, who the hell's Debbie? <laughs> this is not who I'm expecting from. What does this woman want, and who is she? And I'm oh just going through my memory bank, and then it says, Jeff, this is Debbie. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> this is, yeah, I know who this is now. And I looked at the ma- project manager and I said, you need to leave. I have a much more important discussion to carry on, and it's not with you, so get out. And he left. 
that's how we got back together. Wow. So you are so within the 30 years since you've seen since you saw her, every 10 years you put in your uh, business card. What was it every 10 years? What was it that kind of said, "You know what? I'm I'm I want to reconnect with her." I never let her go for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was married, we had children, I'd had relationships, but there was just something about her that I was never able to just say it's over, it's done, let her go. Yeah. I still had the picture we took when we were when I was a senior in high school. Of course I've got all the yearbooks and that stuff, but it's for whatever reason anybody else, yeah, I let all that stuff go. I either returned it, I put it in the proper trash bin, <laughs> burned it, whatever. Debbie, I always hung on to it wow. and I didn't know why, but it's like, no, that memory is going nowhere. Mm. So from there, so after the phone call, then what happened? She did everything in her power for me not to come up and see her. She was on the tail end of breast cancer treatment. She was on, she'd finished the chemo. She was on the radiation. So she had no hair. She was divorced. She had small children. And I, my reply was, so what's your point? <laughs> you know, yeah. just tell me you don't want to come up there because it is two and a half hours away and I won't, but you know, that isn't even going to stop me. I'm coming to see you whether you like it or not. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so we set up a meeting after Christmas. Uh, it's probably the second or third week of January. And you know, let's just say, is there something there or can I finally put this mm-hmm. to bed and say it's over and done? Yeah. So I bet you were so and, nervous leading up to those the three weeks after, after the new year. I was nervous as hell. <laughs> you're probably going to the I gym, mean, probably doing everything you can to <laughs> regain your youth. No, I was, I decided to work on instead of working 20 hours a day, let's work 24. And we won't have to think about this. <laughs> okay. When I sense. drove up there, I had her address. I drove by the house. I went to the park. I smoked a few cigarettes going to, you really want to do this? <laughs> Good God, man. You're 45 years old. Grow up. And it's like, okay, let's, let's see what's about to happen here. And that was, that was it. Yeah. I was nervous. Yeah. I bet. When you saw her, what was your first, your first thought? She smiled and I went back 30 years and mm. go, that is the girl that I loved and I still remember. I mean, her smile couldn't melt me. She could get anything she wanted when she <laughs> smiled at me, and that just drove me nuts. Wow. But, yeah, and her pretty brown eyes, she was just she just had this really interesting quality that it's like, yeah, this is the gal that I want to be with. Wow, that's amazing. Now her girls, that's another story. The oldest one told her youngest sister that they weren't going to like me because as far as they knew, I had just gotten out of prison and was an axe murderer. <laughs> I said, well, that is a pleasant thought. <laughs> Nothing like children who are there to protect their parents. That's funny. <laughs> uh, you got that because they were uh, 13 and 11 at the time. Oh, and at that age, they're not the most accommodating. That's for sure. <laughs> no, they weren't. Not at all. <laughs> that is so funny. Then what happened after that? So you said hello to her. And then what happened in your relationship then? Uh, she introduced me to her daughters. They gave me the obligatory hello and then ran up the stairs. And then we just sat down and talked about, you know, some of the things in high school, what was going on in our lives, what had happened. 
and just it really wasn't awkward. Hmm. It was going back to before she dumped me when <laughs> I went off to college. Wow. It was just, it was really cool. Isn't it amazing how you can reconnect with someone as if no time has passed? Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. And then from there, it sounds like things just took off. They did. It was bumpy at times, but that was okay because that's just part of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, she brought up my fine attitude when we saw each other in college. And I said, you know, just chalk it up to being stupid. And she <laughs> goes, well, yeah, tell me something I don't know, Jeff. And I said, that's it. I'm getting in my truck and going back to Dallas. She said, you're not going anywhere. Sit down and shut up, old man. <laughs> yes, dear. I think I'll do that. Oh, and, yeah, funny. it just took off. It was... I told her, you know, because of my work schedule, I can only come up here every other weekend. She's like, oh, just like high school. And I said, don't start that. I'm working for a living, okay? It's a little bit different. Yeah. It's a little different. And that turned into every weekend. Mm. And it just, her girls accepted me. And that was one thing I told her, that I'm divorced. I have children. I said, you know, if your girls don't accept me, it doesn't matter how we feel about each other. This relationship is going nowhere and I won't force myself on them. Yeah. So they'll accept me in their own way or they won't. Mm -hmm. She's like, really? And I said, no, I'm serious, Debbie. The kids come first. We come second. Right. And slowly but surely they were, they realized you were an expert cool with it. <laughs> yeah. They, they would, Debbie and I got into it over, I forgot what it was. And we weren't talking for like three days. And the oldest daughter called me up and said, are you coming up this weekend? And I said, well, I haven't decided. She goes, let me tell you something, old man. <laughs> you get your butt up here. I don't know what's going on with you and mom, but I suggest you fix this immediately. I said, do you know who you're talking to? And she goes, I don't care right now. Yes, you're bigger and meaner and can kill me, but I don't care. <laughs> fix this and get up here. And I said, oh, okay, Jessica. I'll work on it. Yeah, it sounds like that she had her mother's personality, that's for sure. Yes, she <laughs> did. And we worked it out, and I came up and just had had a great time. Because before we got together, work was my priority. Mm -hmm. I lived to work. That's all there was to it. Nothing else mattered. Because like I said, I was working 18 to 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And getting back with Debbie changed all of that. Yeah. I put work to the side and said, yeah, I got to do this to make a living, but it is not going to consume my life anymore. Mm -hmm. There's something more important. Yeah. How was her health at this time? Her health was okay. She was, as I said, she was on the tail end of radiation therapy. I was up there for that one day and I didn't realize how much it took out of her. Mm-hmm. She came out of that treatment room. It was like, good Lord, how have you done this on your own oh, since wow. May? Wow. I don't understand this. And she goes, I just did. And I said, well, I'm here and you just tell me when your treatments are and I will just leave work, come up here and take you. Cause she slept for, I think 16 hours after that. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. It was, it was rough mm -hmm. and, but she was in really good spirits. She was finished up a radiation, I think in February and January, February. Then in March, she made mention 
that it was back. Oh, gosh. I said, how do you know? She goes, I can feel it. Mm. So she set up an appointment with the doctor, and I believe that was May when they did her MRI. And I told her, I will be there for that test. I'm going to take you, and you tell me when the follow-up is, and mm -hmm. I'll be there. Mm -hmm. It was not a good follow-up. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It was everywhere. Oh, I my mean, gosh. It, it had surrounded her heart. Her liver was partially was I believe halfway covered. It had gotten into her vertebrae, was wrapping around her bones, but it didn't affect the way she acted. I mean, mm -hmm. you could see that her energy started going down. It really hit me. We went to a Rangers baseball game, Memorial Day weekend, and it was a perfect day. It's in the eighties. Her girls came, my oldest son came. And when that game was over, you could see, I mean, the sun had just sapped her strength Ugh. out of her and my Justin and I, my oldest son, it took both of us to escort her back to the truck and get that air conditioner turned on so she could cool off. But it's like, that's the first time I really saw it affecting mm. her. Wow. So that was in May. So you reconnected in January. So that's what, five months later? Yes. And then what happened after, after that diagnosis? And once again, I'm so sorry. I mean, the fact is, to, to think that you're on the upswing, and I mean, it's, I know there's so many people who can relate with this because so many people have been diagnosed with, with breast cancer, and it's, it's so tr traumatic. But to be on the upswing of that and to think that things are going well, you've reconnected with her, and then to hear that diagnosis, how, how was that for you? Sadly, I was kind of prepared for it because I had lost my partner in 1990 and then my father in 2005 to different forms of cancer. Mm. So I kind of was preparing myself. We got the diagnosis and we went back to her house and her oldest daughter came out and said, so what's the story? I said, well, do you want me to lie or tell you the truth? She goes, well, I, I'm tired of people lying. So why don't you tell me the truth? I said, barring a miracle, your mom's going to die. Gosh. This is just taken off. So what do you want to do? She goes, all right, I'll tell my sister, but at least we can start preparing. And I said, she's supposed to start her treatments in June, I believe, but listening to all the medicines she was going to take, it's like the treatment is going to kill her this time because she had not regained her strength oh, gosh. from the last round. And, but we didn't dwell on it. Mm -hmm. It's, since I'd had experience with this, taking care of my father, it's the girls didn't talk about it that much. And it was still, we're going to continue each day as a normal day. Mm -hmm. When your mom needs help, she needs help. If I've got to take off work and spend two or three days up here, I will do that. And I'd inform my employer the same thing that I have something more important mm -hmm, than doing. doing this and I can handle my job from the phone. Wow. So it didn't interrupt our daily activities. Or quality of time together as well. We spent a great amount of quality time together. It was, you know, it, it served no purpose to dwell on what could happen. Mm -hmm. Let's enjoy what we can control and let the doctors do 
what they do best, yeah. but we're not going to sit here and say, what was me? What was me? Yeah. And in that, what happened, what happened in August? In August, she died on July 20th. Oh gosh. And I mean, she was, she was in pretty good shape, but when her daughter called up and said her mom was throwing up blood and I said, okay, I can't be there today, but I'll be there tomorrow. Call her parents, have them come down and we'll go from there. And I kind of knew, okay, we're getting real close. And yeah, a week later she passed. Well, I was in really bad sorts mm -hmm. for about a month. I, I went to work, but I didn't function at work. And about August 20th, I was asked a couple of guys to go to dinner with me and they de declined and that really upset me. So I went and ate by myself. But something kept calling me to go to Seagaville, Texas, because that's where my partner's buried. And I went out there, and Debbie, my dad, and my partner were there. Oh, wow. That's powerful. You know, our memory can play tricks, and that's what I was thinking at first. But I realized this huge weight that I'd been carrying around inside, it was gone. And I was like, okay, let's see what happens tomorrow. Nope. It was gone. Wow. And Debbie told me that, uh, one thing she said, I asked her, why do you think we got together? And she goes, unfinished business. Mm. And she was right. We were together when we needed each other the most. And that was the one thing she told me at the cemetery that you've done what you needed to do. And. I will always appreciate you for that and love you. Wow. So let me go. You can let me go now. And I was like, okay. Wow. Well, Jeff Dawson, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. Your story is so inspirational. It's so powerful. And I definitely want my listeners to purchase your book to get the full story, to understand what even happened beyond you, you having that release at the cemetery. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase your book, Love's True Second Chance, where would they find all this information online? They can find that book on Amazon.com, uh, the U.S. site. They can find it on Goodreads. I have a blog, LDD Publishing Enterprises. They're available there. And I do have a Facebook page for Love's True Second Chance. Perfect. Well, my listeners also know that if they're not able to find your book, one more time, Love's True Second Chance, they can either go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv in the previous guest products in both stores there. They may purchase it. Jeff Dawson, thank you so much for your fantastic story. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I had a wonderful time, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.